Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. Hi, and welcome. I'm so happy you're here joining me today. Today's conversation is with Jen Harper, the founder and CEO of Cheekbone Beauty. Jen was so open and so generous and so personal with our conversation. Two questions that really ran through a lot of what we talked about are, who am I and where do I come from? And Jen really shares a lot about her Indigenous heritage and experiences and how that has permeated through her development of cheekbone beauty and all kind of other elements of her life. It's, uh, this conversation has really stuck with me. I'm so excited you're here to listen. Let me tell you a little bit more about Jen. An award-winning social entrepreneur, Jen Harper is the founder and CEO of Cheekbone Beauty Cosmetics. Cheekbone Beauty aims to help every Indigenous person see and feel their value in the world while developing sustainable color cosmetics that won't end up in landfill. Jen Harper is an Anishinaabe woman and is a member of the Northwest Angle 33 First Nation in Kenora, Ontario. Throughout her life, Jen has struggled with accepting her Indigenous roots, She was estranged from her Indigenous family for much of her child and adult life. After learning about her grandmother's experience in residential school, she understood how her family was affected by generational trauma. Harper has been making a name for herself in the beauty industry for a number of years, but gained popularity quickly after appearing on CBC's hit TV show Dragon's Den in 2019. Since her appearance on the show, Jen has been featured as Chatelaine's Woman of the Year in 2019, Canadian Business 2022, New Innovators List, and Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Women of Influence in 2022. No big deal. She continues to be deeply involved in all aspects of Cheekbone Beauty operations, including product innovation with the Cheekbone Beauty chemist and sustainability experts to reimagine beauty products, starting with raw ingredients all the way to how all products are packaged. As part of its sustainability mission, Cheekbone Beauty is associated with organizations such as Pact Collective, 1% for the Planet, and B Corp. These partnerships show the brand's commitment to both people and planet. By early 2023, Cheekbone Beauty is now available in 50 Sephora stores across Canada as a Sephora clean and plant positive brand, and will also be available at 600 JCPenney stores across the United States. Giving back to the Indigenous community is critical to Cheekbone Beauty's mission. To date, Cheekbone Beauty has contributed upwards of $200,000 in product monetary and product project, pardon me, focused donations to the organizations across North America, and will continue to do so. Let's get to the conversation with Jen Harper. Jen, thank you so much for being here today. I am just thrilled to have you on Fashion Talks. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. So before we get into the, the, you know, the, the conversation, what do we need to know about you and where you grew up, grew up in order to understand the rest of the conversation, what do we need to know about Jen Harper? 
Sure. So I describe myself first always as a mom, a wife. We live in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada, and this is where we headquarter Cheekbone Beauty. Uh, but I was born in Thunder Bay, which is in northern Ontario, and my home community, so the reservation that my father's side of my family comes from is Northwest Angle 33, and I am an Anishinaabe Kwe woman, which just means a, an Anishinaabe woman, but our tribe is of the Ojibwe people, and I have a family um, that is uh, scattered all across uh, North America, but we uh, love to get together for family reunions, and it always actually happens to be in Lake of the Woods. And so this is funny because it's not only my father's side of the family is from and our reservation in the Lake of the Woods area, but my mother um, and that side of the family, we have had several family reunions in Lake of the Woods because it's just a center point, and a few of my aunts and uncles um, spent many years in Winnipeg. And so that was like, not a far, like if you went to cottage country, like we do here in Ontario, it, it would have been like the cottage country of that area. So it's really unique that both sides of my family meet up in that, that part of the world. What a wonderful synergy for everyone yeah. to have that, you know, kind of common emotional, nostalgic, geographic connection. Yeah. And even though I was not born there, when you, when I get off the plane in Winnipeg, I generally fly there because it's the closest and then drive in back into Ontario. And I really do feel like I'm going home, which is really interesting and weird to me because I've always said, I've never lived here. Why do I feel that way? But I think since being a child and spending not only the time there with my dad's family, but then with my mother's side of the family as well, it, it feels like home. I love to begin these conversations with everyone with this, this same question, because I think all of us who work in fashion, fashion and beauty, or people who love fashion, we have a moment where we realize that fashion, this thing, clothing, it carries so much more power and significance than just protecting our bodies from the elements. And I'm wondering if you have a memory of when that realization came for you. Yeah, I think I, when I think about um, fashion and beauty, I always think of like putting on something in the way of almost like armor, I guess, right? Like how we're, how are we going to face this world, which can be really hard sometimes. Um, and part of my personal story was, you know, the struggle I had with uh, alcoholism for many years, probably sober now for almost nine years. But in those days when, man you know, having a, a relapse or just struggling really hard for the last couple of years before getting sober, putting on lipstick and a really great um, outfit certainly helped me feel like I had enough strength to face the day. Isn't it interesting? Because that's something that, you know, I hear over and over again, that there is like a, there is literally a, an emotional literal lift that comes from just changing these things we put on our body. And I'm with you on the lover of lipstick. I say it's my favorite <laughs> accessory. Like, how do you think that happens? Like, do you have any, you know, thoughts on like, what is it about changing those things on our outside that make us feel like we're more capable on our insides? Yeah, I think 
the psychology of color, there's, there's a lot of, I think, science behind different colors and how they make us feel. And I feel my face changes when a lipstick, especially like a pink or a a, a red goes on that. I feel like my face changes and it, it certainly then, you know, when in the, the, the notion of like putting it on, a smile and how that could literally shift someone's mindset or, or feelings just because you actually physically made the gesture of smiling. I know there's science behind that. And then the same too, if you were to put on even a black suit, which I, you know, we're, 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 we're both in, near the GTA, which we all know black yeah. is our favorite color there. Oh my um, yes. yeah. And I'm, I, as you know, I've been pushing the color category and wearing a lot more like bright pink and green, just trying to think about adding as from a brand perspective, how I can add that to my wardrobe. But I do love black, but you know, the right fit, the right cut, the right feeling, uh, it can just make you feel a certain way. And I think when you then look in the mirror and you feel a certain way that shifts, that can make a shift in all of us. And in we've heard it talked about for, for on many occasions, you know, someone struggling and the, the act of like having a shower, uh, getting ready and putting these things on, I feel that shift happens. It's just the, for us, sometimes getting there to that point is, is the hard part. Right. But when we do, you feel that shift happen even, and then, so you do that. And our team, we were talking about this earlier this week, that when you accomplish something, that you're like, wow, I did that. But we sometimes we can only get to that place is when you physically got to pull yourself up, put on the armor, then go do the thing, and then you accomplish it. And you have that little high that you get from accomplishment. I mean, it's all part of the process, but there can be some big shifts in us there. And then, you know, we talked about recognizing the next day we can completely fail at something, right? But it's it's the ebbs and flows of life, right? Um, but th- yeah, that armor is really powerful. So I want to take you back to 2016 where, and, and, you know, I've, I have read about this wonderful dream that you had, that was the, was it, would you call it the inspiration to start cheekbone? Like, tell me, tell us a little bit about the dream that was, it sounds like that was the moment where you decided to do something differently. Yeah. So there I think there's a lot of things at play and sometimes it was only looking backward that I see how it sort of all went down. But that dream happens in 2015 and I had been thinking a lot about my career and my next was sort of where and how am I going to keep getting a paycheck doing something um, that would help me on my wellness journey. So I was in a sales role for, for many years and that can be tough when you're entertaining customers and you're, for me, every part of my life involved alcohol. So I was trying to literally like, to be perfectly honest, figure out, okay, what's next. And so that's happening. And I'm newly sober. This dream happens in January of 2015. So this is like two months after getting sober. And then I just, Ha- felt like okay, this is it. This is clearly the the next path. Um, and what was the dream? Tell us a little bit about you woke native, up and what was yeah. in your mind. It's nothing that said cheekbone beauty or any of that. It was native little girls covered in lip gloss, and they had brown skin in the 
rosiest little cheeks and they were just giggling. And, and I, I say some of her, I don't even know how I knew it was lip gloss, but that's the sort of the mess in my dream that they had made themselves. And so woke up that night, I grabbed my laptop and I was like, okay, I want to figure out one, how to make this lip gloss. Cause I think this is a product that I could possibly make. Like I thought, you know, of course, and of course when to YouTube to figure out, yeah, you can make lip gloss, but that's sort of the quick version. And then also I was paying attention to brands that were doing something with their business other than just putting that product that they make and sell into the world that they were like Patagonia and Tom's shoes are are two that really always come to mind that I had been fans of. And I'm like, yeah, why don't more businesses focus on things like social impact and giving back to community? And I thought, okay, if I can figure out how to make this lip gloss, and then I'm going to use a portion of the profits to start a foundation um, in my grandmother's name. That was the earliest days. And at that moment too, recognizing that I was only learning about my grandparents' experience at residential school all around this time. So like so many things are happening here in my life. Um, And then it was so clear that this was the path. And I then just spent the next two years literally figuring out how to build this business. And that's what I spent all of my free time on. And you can imagine as a newly sober person, I had a lot of free time, but it felt like that this just was the path and this was how everything was going to go down. And and it was so strange that I would look back, like this was just the new direction. And it, that was so clear. And it's so hard to explain that to people because you're selling fish and then you're going to start lip. Like, it's so crazy. And I can't, I can't believe my family. No one was like, what are you doing? This is nuts. I also recognize, you know, my family is like, she's sober and she's staying sober right now. And so let's not say anything about her and this business that she's making up in her head about doing makeup. (laughs) Right. So a lot of things happening there, but Um, yeah, just became so passionate about learning and trying to tell the truth about the narrative of Indigenous people and what I was learning. And I had no idea. I I now look in the mirror. I'm an Ojibwe woman. It is clear I have, you know, the structure, the bone structure. This has been who I've looked like my whole life. And I cannot believe I had no idea about my grandparents and the, and the impacts, the negative impacts that residential school had on our family. And so I was learning that, which is pretty a traumatic learning experience and discovering how truly unfair, um, the system was for them really. Right. And, and not only them now, all first people, all, um, you know, Inuit people and anyone that lived in North America prior to colonization was really getting the raw deal and anything that's happened to them since still felt quite unfair. And so that was all new to me. And these were all new discoveries and, you know, looking back, recognizing I'm one person, I cannot change all these systems. I definitely wasn't going to try to take that on because I realized how um, impossible that would be. But I thought, well, what if this brand that I had envisioned was really focusing on supporting our communities and figuring out, okay, I'm learning these new things. What was I missing in my life? And one, it was the connection to community and culture and, and, and then also education. And I didn't have a lot of opportunities educationally as a young person. And so really trying to think about how I could support our next generations. And that was 
literally the beginning of, of what we, what we've built today and really proud that, you know, this past year we started with one scholarship in 2021 and now we, we gave out five scholarships in 2022. So certainly proud that we finally, like that dream is like coming to life by way of the brand, not easy building a business. I think any entrepreneur is going to recognize, you know, it's ups and downs and it's really hard, but it, it feels really good. Despite, I always say this, I, at the end of the day, say nothing works with cheekbone beauty and it all crumbles and falls to pieces. I will really feel good that I tried to make a difference and tried to empower our next generations. One, this whole concept of representation to see themselves that, that I would have gone out and done all of these things and, and certainly proud of how far we've come in, in this short period of time. What a powerful possibly overwhelming it sounds like convergence of like all these things happening at once your sober living journey your heritage understanding the starting you know jumping off the cliff to start a business the knowing these other elements of you know representation and the scholarships that you wanted to bring in like that is a lot most people just say I'm gonna start a business <laughs> and you're bringing in all of these other factors um, I want to kind of touch on all of them a little bit and first I'd like to ask your understanding of your grandparents experience in the residential schools such a traumatic everything how has that understanding impacted your leadership? What did it mean to have that understanding of their experience and how it influenced and impacted the rest of your family? Yeah, there's a couple things. So I've learned a lot about my grandmother. I only got to spend a, a very short period of time with her as a young girl and learning what she survived. So when you think of, you know, we talk about entrepreneurs and resiliency, I really think of Indigenous people as truly resilient and, and especially ones that have lived and survived through these traumatic events. So she comes out of residential school. She was there for 10 years and they would be beaten for speaking Anishinaabemowin, our language of, of the Ojibwe people. And, and, I know that all of my family, when I go to Lake of the Woods, Sioux Narrows, they all speak Anishinaabemowin. And we're talking not only like her grandchildren like me, but now the next generation, the great grandchildren. Wow. And my grandmother was four foot 11 and like round as can be and had the most beautiful cheekbones too, by the way, but um, just a powerhouse in the sense that I can just picture her now, like my family and is going to learn our language, even though the, these people have tried to rob it from me to the point where everyone does speak it, except for me. I'm, I'm, I'm sadly saying because I didn't grow up in community um, and neither did my children. And so we, we, we're, we're learning, but it's not, it's certainly a very challenging language to learn, but my daughter and I have taken up um, practicing. And then she did this, made sure to the point where one of my uncles, Gabe, he teaches Anishinaabemowin at the University of Minnesota and has become kind of an Anishinaabemowin language expert because these languages aren't like popular, right? In, yeah. in, and amongst anywhere else, but our communities. And I just feel like what a, what a powerhouse and what an example 
to have as someone to to see what she survived and to know that we have built a brand that is then not taking also using my Anishinaabe roots her roots essentially to like add as our the the seven grandfather teachings which come from our Anishinaabe culture are part of our company's core values and these are values and principles that I would think every human would want to live by, but imagine every company living by them as well. And number one is love. There's humility, there's respect, there's bravery, there's courage, and there is honesty. And these are things that we know are so important into starting a business or, or, or being an individual. And so we use those as the core values of our company. And then we also use so many other teachings that come from indigenous culture to build and create the brand, especially when it comes to our mission of being truly more sustainable or sustainably minded and sustainably focused. So thinking of the seven generations teaching, like what we do today, how that not only impacts us, but what will it do for the next seven generations and thinking about when we take things from the land, so something called the honorable harvest, what are we giving back? What are we, are we only taking what we need? And, and this, this whole idea of adding these into how we make and create our products. And so we do use this process, which is from Western science called life cycle thinking or life cycle analysis. And that's when you look at the harvesting of the raw ingredients to the end of the life of the product, which includes the packaging. And our mission at Cheekbone is not to have items end up in a landfill. So we work backwards to try to figure out how to not have that happen. Now, this is not easy and it's not black and white and it's not going to be perfect, but we are really open and honest again and transparent with our community about this process and like is it possible for us to try to do things in this better or good way and we are um working on this really really hard really really hard um it's it's expensive it it's it's time consuming, but very valuable. And so it, it is April. So I'm proud that we're, this year we're celebrating as it's Earth Month, one year of being a B Corp certified company, which is another important feat for our organization and just more evidence and um, that we're not here just to greenwash, but we actually want to do all of this work. And yeah, just there's so many teachings that come from my grandmother and my grandfather that we've incorporated because they're part of our culture into building a company. And I, again, I say this, I'm like, you know, we're going to try, can businesses build, build this way? Will this work? Well, we're going to keep trying. What I think is so, as you're speaking, what I couldn't help but thinking is that you are talking about the philosophical foundation of your business, like the processes, the values, the operations are rooted in those heritage teachings that come from your background. It's not what you're naming the lipsticks that the, the, the heritage becomes evident in. It's in the literal DNA of how your business operates. And I think that's such a powerful distinction for people to understand is it is a very deep integration of, of your values and your heritage that builds the foundation of cheekbone. Yeah. And something that, you know, and when I think about the more I learned about who I was and where I came from, um, there's so many powerful practices from our communities and our culture and those values and principles are certainly part of it. And I think that's not the narrative that the public has always seen. Right. And obviously we, you know, there's, there's a lot of 
tragedy and trauma, but I really wanted Cheekbone to be a place that's focusing on, on the incredible and beautifully and powerful side of our culture. What are the other narratives that the public doesn't always see that you are bringing to light with Cheekbone? Yeah, I would definitely in in the making and creation of products and how you can use um, those values and principles to to actually build something, right? It's not, and that's something that's tangible. And what's really interesting and I'm having a, a struggle with is when we think of how our culture has been passed down through history, it's an oral culture. Like we are, you know, there is not a lot of um, now much I think getting much better because we're recognizing the next generations, how important it is to document things. Um, But you can see that that's where family and community is so important because it's only orally around circles that you're going to hear the ways of knowing and being, which is how we speak of our culture in Anishinaabe Moen um, and that is only gets passed through by sitting with people and getting to know people. And this is all generations of people. And so I think that's something really beautiful and special that maybe is, is missing in, in, in our society today, for sure. Something we talked about a little bit before we, we got on the air here and that I think relates to this, this thread is the whole idea of belonging. And it's something that you've talked about, you know, in, in other articles and whatnot is wanting to foster this idea of belonging for Indigenous youth. What does belonging, what does belonging mean? Like, how do you see that as something that is both like a big idea and how are you making it really tangible at Cheekbone Beauty? Yeah, Um so so important um there is i think uh, as i said we when we talked about this earlier i think touching on like really recognize and maybe sitting in that moment of when thinking about when there's a time in our lives that we felt that we didn't belong and uh probably for most of us that goes back to our childhood right and that's when we know that that's really really important and that is honestly such a painful experience so how can we eliminate that well probably super challenging but i think then i always look at on a on a whole how can we a part be a part of making sure that people feel represented and that they belong somewhere and and with cheekbone that has been that it was the mission from the beginning it was you know people have always asked why you know our sustainability journey um was sort of the second layer of our layer of our foundation the first was this the layer of representation and how much we felt that mattered uh there was no brand there is no other brands that exist in the space that on such a a grand level you see indigenous people represented authentically um and many people have shared that with us, like mm-hmm. through emails and direct messages. And so that is very powerful to feel and read. And then I had my own personal experience with how much it matters. And this was when we did the glossed over campaign at Sephora Canada last June. And we got to go visit all the Sephora stores and we were at the Eaton Center. And that morning I went in, I'm sitting in the lower level of the Eaton Center. I look up and I see our massive billboard and it was our brand picture and Cheekbone Beauty now available at Sephora. 
and just had this like, whoa, flood of emotions. Cause as a young girl going into the Eaton Center, I would have never in a million years, like, and I just went back to my childhood in that moment. Cause I had spent a lot of time at the Eaton Center with my dad when, when he lived off reservation, he lived in Toronto and we lived in Scarborough and native public housing. And a lot of times if I was in St. Catharines before I went to live with him, I would come back and forth. So, you know, divorced parents or separated parents. That's the situation. And so visiting him always wanted to go to the Eaton Center. Um, and I remember going in there as a young girl and feeling, you know, excited and there's so many things happening and it's such a fun place to be, but also remembering times that we would have been accused of stealing and possibly my dad arguing with a shopkeeper about the status card, just little things like that. And I was like, those are not great memories. And then to have a brand, like sitting there and knowing and recognizing, okay, I have a brand that I've worked on and built with a team that's now available in a store like Sephora. So it was just kind of like this full circle moment. And then that evening having an event at the Sephora and this young Anishinaabe girl comes in with her brother and her mom and her auntie. And she, at 12 or 13, I'm guessing her age, had more like spunk than I would have ever dreamed of having at that age. And I just thought it was so beautiful. But I was driving home that night and I, and just had this thought of like, wow, this is it. This is why representation matters so much. Because her and her brother are never going to not believe that they could have a brand in a store like Sephora or any other, in any other fashion they could start anything, anything that they could imagine would be possible for them now because they're seeing someone who looks like them, who comes from a community like they do, that has already done that. And I unfortunately didn't have that as a young person. And so that is why for me in the early days, representation had been such a big portion of why what mattered to the brand. It still does. It's, it is the founding feature of who we are. But now recognizing we're in a competitive industry and for me, sustainability coming from my seafood world has been something that I've always been passionate about and recognizing that I'm in a space where it needed a lot of work in terms of sustainability. So I was really proud that we've now built this layer onto, onto the business and into the company. And um, thankfully to, to having investment partners come in and be able to help support this very expensive and time-consuming journey to help us not only be here for Indigenous representation, but truly try to think about how we can um, shop differently, consume products differently, think about the end of the life of uh, what we're using, wearing, all of those things. And so really proud that we've, we have now two solid features of the, we, we say as a brand, we have three pillars. One is our Indigenous roots. Two is we are sustainable by nature. And three is we are bringing bold, clean color to the clean category because nature obviously has so many bold, beautiful pigments to offer as well. It's just not, um, I think the clean space has always been like the muted millennial pink and mint greens. And we're like, no, we can bring bold color to this category. Do you find like those are three big pillars to braid into an integrated, integrated brand when you're selling like at the end of the day, it's like, but the lipstick has to rock so that people continue to buy it. Right. How do you keep all of those? It's, 
you know, I never think of it as balance. I think of it as maybe like you're juggling and you have to make sure that everything has its moment to suspend in the air. How do you keep focus on all of those things so they all maintain a genuine place in the brand and you still keep the lights on? Yeah. So I, I think just, yeah, truly being organized when it comes to how we talk about our products, the brand and our pillars publicly. So that's generally done through social media or our, our email conversations with our community. Uh, and it's not easy. There's a lot of education, especially when it comes to the sustainability space that like this is, you know, it's not black and white. There's no one single answer for ever. So it's a ton of education. Uh, and thankfully we have a great team, but we've, I think when we've honed it down to like these three pillars, we know that we're, we're touching on them regularly. You touched a little bit at the beginning of the conversation on the idea of resilience, like your personal journey with sobriety. I think any entrepreneur has a big tank that needs to be full of resilience a lot of the time. How do you keep your tank full? Where, when you, when you need to dig really deep, where do you draw from? Yeah, I have a routine every single day. I'm spending time in nature before I start my work day. And that is such an important, um, part of my day, I, 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 that's where I certainly fill up and, and get my fuel to stay energized, not only for being wife, mom, but also leader here for sure. That's so, it's so important. And for me, it's generally outside, um, and being in nature anywhere. So, and, and physically active at the same time is such a wonderful experience. And, that fills me up and that's how I stay connected. And then my family, they, I, I gain so much um, courage and uh, love from them that they certainly keep me fueled to keep going as well. And not, you know, I have an incredible core family and my husband, my, my two children. But when I think about my extended family, my family that's still living on our home reservation, um, my family that lives across the country, um, when I think about their children, so nieces and nephews, like this is so, and then I think about friends and different communities and their nieces and nephews and their grandchildren. I feel like that absolutely adds fuel because it's part of our brand's purpose, like this about empowering these next generations. I, I can hear the echoes of entrepreneurs who are listening saying, she's so calm. What do you mean? She spends two hours outside every day. Like I have no time. I have no time. Like there is such a, there's such a speed that comes from being an entrepreneur sometimes. How do you, like, I hear you carving so much time that is not what people might consider on the business when you talk about, you know, staying active and time with family and, and out in nature. What would you say to people who are like, I don't have time. Like I don't have, I don't have time. Yeah. I don't think I could do the business without those moments of filling up my cup. Right. I, I definitely could not. So I need to work. Someone told me early on and it's probably, I think, Oh, I can't remember which writer or which book I read this in, but I remember hearing it and maybe like Napoleon Hill or something like that. But you have to work harder on yourself than you do on your business. Um, and that is part of it for me. So I would not be able to work. I still work a 10, 12 hour day sometimes, <laughs> but um, 
So the days are long and I sleep really well. And I'm really grateful for that because I know lots of people that don't sleep, but I'm really tired when I go to bed and I get a really good night's sleep and then I'm up again and starting all over. But um, yeah, that, that, that time in nature and that time for physical activity is critical. And it's not only um, physical, emotional, mental, but it's also the time for me spiritually. And so that is what just keeps me whole and keeps me going. And and, and it is an absolute must. Like I would not be able to do this without that. And it's been part of my sobriety journey. So it's also something that's super important. Like there's, it's a non-negotiable, no matter where I am in the world, that is happening every single morning. We share a love for Mr. Guy Raz and his How I Built This podcast. Um, What, from from a business growth point of view, from an entrepreneurial, like nuts and bolts point of view, what would you like other entrepreneurs to know about the journey of starting a business? What are the things that you wish someone had whispered in your ear, even if maybe you might not have listened to them, but you know, what are the things that you would have liked whispered in your ear when you were starting out? (laughs) So definitely the best advice was the dragon's den experience with Arlene and Michelle. And they're like, you're just too early to give up equity. That is literally the best advice you can hear. Even though I had no idea honestly, what that really meant. I do understand it now. So understanding when and is the right time to give up equity for your company. If you're, if you're seeking investment, if you are, have the luxury of not taking anyone's money, hallelujah. But, yeah. And I was not in that position. I'm not, uh, it, it don't come from generational wealth. And so, uh, was not an option for, for me, for sure. And then, um, one thing that I've learned was just, it's all about consistency. And so every day I don't have any superpowers or special skills. I've just woken up every day for the last seven years and done something to work on cheekbone beauty, um, every single day. And I think it's that consistent effort that pays off. And I think we know that as humans, we know it's consistency, whether it's a, a, a health journey we're trying to go on or a new practice, it's all about consistency. And it, that, that doesn't um, exclude building a business as well. You're so right. It, it, and it is something that I don't think any of us can hear, can hear too infrequently that it's consistency, consistency for the win. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, thank you so, so, so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit, and we'll link everything below as well, but can you tell us a little bit about the the scholarships and the philanthropic work that Cheekbone supports? And then of course, where, if people are interested in putting a little Cheekbone in their own cosmetic kits, where they can shop and where they can find you to follow your story. Sure. So no matter where you purchase Cheekbone Beauty, um, because we're a B Corp, we do 2% of our annual revenues go back to organizations, uh, whether they support environmental causes or Indigenous youth. That's what our focus is at Cheekbone Beauty. And that includes our scholarship. And then that is so you can find us at CheekboneBeauty.com or Sephora Canada, which is sephora.ca. And we're in 52 locations, which will be full launched out, completed May 19th of 2023. So right now they have us in 22 and 30 more will hit shelves at the next big thing section of Sephora Canada. So it's not every location, it's 52 of them across the country, which is really exciting. And then in every JCPenney 
location in the United States will be in 600 locations at the end of April in their beauty, the JCPenney beauty section with a collaboration with an organization called 13 Loon, which is a BIPOC beauty marketplace, which so 95% of the brands that they carry come from BIPOC founders. So we're really excited about being able to have this opportunity to grow in the United States and our handles. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Cheekbone Beauty and on Twitter there and on Facebook at um, Cheekbone Beauty. Yeah, I think I've mentioned all, all the of places. them. <laughs> <laughs> all the social media and they'll be listed below. Jen, thank you so, so, so much for being here today. It's been an inspiration for me personally and an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me here on Fashion Talks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends, your family, on your networks. It would mean the world to me. Fashion Talks is done in partnership with the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards. You can find out more about them at CAFA Awards, C-A-F-A-W-A-R-D-S on Instagram. This episode was produced by Jason Perrier. You can find him on Instagram at a Jason Perrier. You can follow the pod at Fashion Talks Pod, and you can follow me at This Is Donna B. All of us on Instagram. I hope you will join us again next week. Thank you so much and have a great day. Mm-hmm.